If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. Patrick Henningsen and TNT. And welcome back to the Patrick Henningsen Show with me, Basil Valentine, in for Patrick. Today, Wednesday, the 28th of February. And I'm delighted to say I have two very special guests on the line this afternoon. First of all, Tagred Al-Marwed is CEO of the Palestine Refugee Project. And I'm also joined by former Labour MP for Derby North, Chris Williamson. Welcome to the programme, both of you. Thanks for inviting us. Uh, Tagred, uh, we were talking before the news uh, about the uh, fundamental injustice indeed of the whole architecture of the United Nations, uh, which has sought only through its agency, the UNRWA, to mollify the worst effects of uh, the imposition of Zionism on historic Palestine. Um, and uh, we're now, unfortunately, in a scenario which uh, I don't think many foresaw even six months or a year ago, uh, where uh, the remains of Gaza is being starved systematically to death in scenes that we hoped we would never witness in the third decade of the 21st century. So can you speak, first of all, uh, about what you're hearing uh, from on the, report, on the ground reports in Gaza? Well, I've, uh, I'm hearing that they are... Um like crossing the Ravah, um, they've already, they needed to pay money before they, even they have permission, even they are like, uh, uh, they can pass the immigration, still they need to pay money. But now from 400 pounds or dollars reach to uh, seven to 10,000, they made it less uh, it, to 5,000 a man or a woman and 2,500 for a child. And that is through uh, the Rafah crossing through the Egyptian um, authorities. So uh, they, they, nothing changed other than uh, uh, being, being killed uh, now and then. They are being killed one time and demolishing not a few houses, more than a few houses. So again, like I said earlier, we need to, to, to remember it started the black, uh, blockade, uh, it, Gaza, it started 2005. And earlier after it was uh, run by uh, Hamas 2007. So it's it's for a long time, uh, there was a blockade and they, they were going through difficulties. But right now, what they are telling me uh, about, uh, they are dying slowly. They are pushing them to go and pay for some Egyptian companies uh, like human trafficking to leave Gaza. Uh, they are saying right. how much were they looking for food in the street and the, killed by the snipers. Uh, they are uh, struggling more than before. So, and plenty of people uh, have the permission to, pa to uh, pass the borders but they are not allowed because they couldn't uh, give the amount of money requested by some uh, Egyptian uh, authorities. So even they are allowed to leave, they couldn't because they don't have enough money to pay. 
So the Egyptians are basically extorting people at the border between Gaza and uh, Egypt there in Rafa, squeezing people yeah. for whatever money they've got left to escape the hell on earth uh, in Rafa. I, I'm telling you, I was told even today, I wouldn't reveal the name of the person. And he sent me a picture where they are standing in front of this Egyptian place to pay money. And they said it's controlled by uh, the Sisi's son, the uh, Egyptian president's son. That's what I was told. I'm not sure yet. I could maybe do some investigation, but that's what they are saying since the beginning, the um, genocide started about they ask for money in return to pass. So even if your name there and you don't have money, you're not allowed. I was asked if your name not on the crossing and not been given by the um, occupation entity, can you uh, pass? I couldn't receive the answer yet, but I'll make sure I'll ask about it more. And I, again, the black, uh, blockade, it was started ages, ages ago. It's not something just started now. People need to keep remember this. Meanwhile, in northern Gaza, people are starving to death. Yes, uh, yes. In the tent in Deir al-Bala, three brothers who said they had lost their mother, another brother yes. and several aunts in the genocide were left with their father and grandmother with nothing to eat apart from loaves made from animal feed. It was yes. bitter. We didn't want to eat it. We were forced to eat it one small loaf every two days. Chris, yeah. I mean, this is just absolutely you know we're running out of words to describe this mm. horror and yet in the U uk house of commons they can't even bring themselves to vote on an end to it i mean no. am i living through some kind of horror film chris it feels like that doesn't it and it's a horror that which is entirely preventable i mean we're the us empire we're indeed britain to actually, uh, you know, insist that the uh, Israeli regime uh, halts its uh, murderous uh, genocide against the defenseless Palestinian people, then I believe that this, the, you know, this uh, this uh, appalling attack which we are witnessing would be brought to uh, an end. But you know, I'm absolutely shocked to the core um, by what we've just heard about people, Palestinians, being extorted to, uh, you know, escape. Uh, this uh, this nightmare that has befallen them. Um, I mean, what what the uh, in my opinion the Egyptian army should be doing that you know they should be uh, occupying Rafa right right now. I mean, it's kind of just a stone's throw away, isn't it, to protect those those people, those defenseless people. What is it, a million and a half people sheltering there? And I just wonder, what on earth are the politicians in the houses of parliament in in Britain actually thinking of? It's 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 beautiful. You say you know we're running out of of words to to describe this 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 terrible uh, situation, this this horror that you referred to it as being. Um, how in, in, you know in all conscience can politicians uh, not use every effort uh, and use every power at their disposal to bring this to an end, to put pressure on Israel? But I've said, you know, Basil, that 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 a that a, that a, a ceasefire on its own is inadequate in any event. I mean, that's a very bare minimum, and and you know, a, an unconditional, immediate ceasefire is the bare minimum. What we should be doing is isolating Israel. There should be an arms embargo. There should be a trade embargo. They should be kicked out of international sport. They should not be allowed to participate in any civilized international uh, function. 
uh, you know, we, we need to make them a, a pariah, which is what they should be. As far as the vast majority of the uh, ordinary people are concerned, all over the world, including in the West, where the politicians are totally out of touch with, with popular opinion, uh, they are a pariah entity. But regrettably, our politicians in the United States, in the United Kingdom, in the European Union, seem to be enthralled to the Zionist entity. And it's, it's unfathomable, really, how these people can continue to function when they are witnessing these appalling massacres on a daily basis. I mean, I don't know how they sleep at night. I really don't. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's the result of decades of bribery, lobbying, uh, insults, purges, you name it, that means that uh, Zionism has a stranglehold on Capitol Hill uh, and on Westminster and Brussels, but only really at dare I say, elite levels. Uh, people around the world are absolutely sickened by what they've seen. Uh, and increasingly, the sort of really bizarro behaviour of some of these soldiers, I've seen them uh, sleeping in the cots of uh, Palestinian children whose houses they've just ransacked or were displaying uh, the smalls, the undergarments of Palestinian women atop their armoured vehicles. I mean, uh, what Mearsheimer has um, referenced is sort of particularly cruel sadism from Israeli troops uh, uh, and indeed from the whole of Israeli society. It cannot be uh, simply that, you know, Netanyahu is this terrible individual. Uh, they're holding parties uh, with music and barbecue cookouts at the protests to stop aid getting into Gaza so that yeah. the children there have to continue to starve to death. And yet, uh, this is the regime supported by Western governments. Uh, I can promise you, Tagrid, that, uh, you know, all right thinking, decent people are shocked to their core, particularly when we hear. James cleverly saying today, uh, you've made your point to the Gaza protests. He's urged pro-Palestine protesters to hold their regular marches. What a cheek, Chris. What an absolute cheek. An, an outrage. And it just shows uh, yet again the, the disconnect between the political elites and the wider general public. Well, there's no way that the protests will stop. The protests will continue. The protests will grow. Um, it, it, the, the sanctions have been even more severe. I mean, they've, they've tried to ban pro-Palestine um, marches and uh, demonstrations. Yeah. Still, people have turned out in the hundreds of thousands. But, you know, this you're absolutely right, Basil, when you say this isn't just, an, in terms of uh, Israel, there isn't just a problem with the likes of Ben Gavir and Benjamin Netanyahu and the rest of these extremists. There isn't a problem throughout the entirety of Israeli society. There is a problem, actually, of, uh, of Zionism throughout the world, wherever they um, are influential. And what we therefore need, just as we saw at the end of the Second World War, where there was a process of denazification in Germany to, to cleanse the country of Nazi ideology, we need to cleanse the world of Zionist ideology because it is, as we know, it's not just a racist ideology, it is a genocidal ideology. And we're seeing that being played out in real time on our television screens, thanks to the likes of Al Jazeera and obviously platforms like, like yours, not so much on the on the mainstream media, but even they have been pushed, have been forced, 
because of the strength of feeling on the street to actually report more of the reality of, what, of what's happening. But people are seeing it through things like this, through our smartphones and our, uh, and our laptops and are able to access these uh, alternative independent um, uh, media platforms and actually access what people are saying on the ground in Gaza. They are recording these, these, uh, yes. these uh, appalling atrocities which are being visited on the uh, Palestinian people. And, and you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a genocide that we're seeing right now but you know, this yeah. isn't. This didn't just start on October the seventh. This has been happening. This this, this brutalizing of the Palestinian people. This exploitation. You know, the apartheid system. The regular massacres. The daily indignities that they inflict uh, upon the Palestinian people has been happening for seventy six years now. I mean, they've been illegally occupying large swathes of Palestine for fifty six years, and yes. uh, we know that um, you know they've been blockading uh, Gaza for what is it now seventeen. 18 years. More than 17 years, yeah. international law. This has got to stop, and we have to continue to speak out as ordinary people to force our politicians to actually, you know, step up to the plate. And there is going to be, Basil, a huge number of elections across the Western world this year. And, and I predict that there will be a lot of people. I mean, George Galloway, for example, a, a, a long-term pro-Palestine campaigner for 50 years, and he is standing in, in a, in a by-election in Rochdale tomorrow. I think he will make a breakthrough and, and will shake things up in the Houses of Parliament. But I think we'll see when the general election comes in Britain and when we see elections in other countries, we will see other independent-minded, anti-imperialist, uh, you know, pro-humanitarian independents uh, uh, coming through to actually speak up uh, against this horror, you know? And uh, so the political classes, their days are numbered. And frankly, I think there's going to be a reckoning for Zion and there's going to be a reckoning uh, for uh, the Israeli uh, entity, the Zionist entity, it seems incredibly bleak now. Um, but you know this this horror, this this genocide which which we are seeing, uh, has really uh, woken people up. I think, uh, and people are not going to tolerate this, Basil. They're really not. I've never seen people as angry about any issue, uh, actually, as I'm seeing in, in, in Britain. And it's not just big demonstrations in in the capital city of London. It's a virtually every town or city. I attended another huge rally in my hometown of Derby just at the weekend. And, uh, you know, people are absolutely enraged by what they see, and even more so at the fact that our politicians are so completely out of touch. And as I've said, you know, they will pay a price for their uh, despicable uh, uh, actions that they, or, or inaction, should I say, uh, over this whole uh, appalling events that we've seen over the, over the last four or five months now. Over the last four or five months, and as you say, over the last 70 or 80 years, one exactly, of the yeah. few good things to have come out of this is that uh, an awful lot of people have educated themselves about the whole history of the region, uh, particularly in the United States, uh, and particularly a lot of young Jewish people in the United States uh, who are seeking now to distance themselves from Zionism uh, as much as possible. This, of course, is uh, extremely uncomfortable for the authorities. Tagrid, before we take a break, are Palestinians aware of the enormous support that they have from uh, the wider population around the world? Uh, it's very, very disappointing. I mean, I'm deeply beyond embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I'm beyond ashamed uh, that people like Rishi Sunak and Keir Starmer are the only faces of Britain that people in Palestine see. So I hope that, I do hope that they realise uh, an awful lot of us who unfortunately can't do an enormous amount about it on a day-to-day -day basis, except make broadcasts like this 
and go on marches and give money where and when we can. Uh, I hope they're aware that an awful lot of people uh, give them their full support in Palestine. They know, especially nowadays, uh, uh, social uh, media platforms, they get in all the information and the, they know how much they are loved and people trying their best to support them, which um, all what we need right now is, is to, to, to be more vocal, to, to take further steps, peaceful, to, to try to boycott, to do our best to help them to stay in their homelands because there's plenty giving me a hint. They are been given the opportunity to leave. And that's one of the Israelis, uh, the Zionist entity plans to empty Gaza, uh, which they already start to sell some uh, uh, places uh, for companies, which one of them, this settlement, uh, she's an old wicked uh, woman. She already had, there was 18 organization waiting for her there to start looking what they're gonna get, etc. And we don't. We, we need to remember that the natural gas is one of the main problems as uh, causes, and mm. to kill as much number they can to make have less um, uh, problems. But I would like again uh, to tell people before I go that remember it didn't start just now. The killing of the Palestinian 1960, uh, 1936 or 37 in Haifa and Yaffa, and remember. Uh, the United Nations uh, um, resolution 33379, which is considered the Zionism is uh, racism and racial discrimination. Yeah. People need to understand and remember this. Plus, we have as well the right to resist uh, the resolution 3743. We are not terrorists. That's 1983. And it says liberation for, uh, from colonial and colonial and foreign uh, domination and foreign occupation by all available. So I am yes. not a terrorist. I have my fighting for my right of return. I'm not anti-Semite. I am Semite. My mother tongue language is Semite. My culture, my dresses, everything since the Canaanites. So I am there. I should go back there. So I have the right. And people should remember all days, not only now. We have more than 130,000 murders of Palestinians since the beginning of Balfour Declaration until today, which is we go back to the British which I'm surprised why people uh, wondering why the uh, House of Commons didn't approve. Approve of what? You've already caused the problem. So you're not yeah. going to solve it now. No, absolutely. So that's why I wanted to say. And I would like to say thank you, Chris, for being there for us all the time. I'm one of your fans, and we're all the time will support you or stand next to you. Thank you. It's my, it's my privilege. And that, and that resolution that you, that you referred to, I believe, also enshrined the right to armed resistance as well. Yeah, the terrorists are not the yes. Palestinian resistance fighters. The terrorists are the Israeli occupation forces. They are clearly terrorizing the Palestinian people yeah. and have been doing so ever since the you know ever since the Israeli uh, the uh, Zionist entity was was established. Israel was born out of terrorism, wasn't it? Let's remember yeah, that. Uh, that yes. terrorism has continued. That terrorism by atheist uh, atheist man and saying that God give it to the chosen people. Exactly. Like you don't understand exactly. which God. My God didn't say so. So which exactly, one of them? Exactly. exactly. Listen, it's my privilege. I feel humbled and thank you for your kind remarks. I appreciate it. Thank you. We're going to take a short break now. When we come back, I want to hear more from Chris about George Galloway's campaign in Rochdale. Uh, we all hope he wins because he would, without doubt, be the most vehemently anti-Zionist voice, if not the only 
truly anti-Zionist voice in the whole of the House of Commons. So we'll be right back after this short break. TNT's Dean Mackin. Some would argue where it comes to Julian Assange, he has more than done his time, whether that be self-imposed or where he currently finds himself locked up, but just that time that he spent in the Ecuadorian embassy. That was way more time than he ever should have served. And what did he do? He told the truth. Somehow you would think if you were new to this world, if you were a visiting alien, if you were a child who was growing up in this world, you would learn quickly that if you tell the truth, if you advocate for what's right, you'll be punished. Apparently, that's the lesson to be learned. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk TNT. This is generally the view of people, oh, we don't know much about Assange. Well, you should know, because whether you know it or not, he is fighting for you. For your courage and leadership and tenacity in journalism and publishing. Since 2010, Assange has been held in progressively narrower, darker, colder and crueler spaces. He has been detained since the 7th of December 2010 in one form or another. And we are now here after years of imprisonment. WikiLeaks is a non-state hostile intelligence service. I think the man is a high-tech terrorist. A high-tech terrorist. A traitor, a treasonist. He has to answer for what he has done. Assange faces up to 175 years in prison for publishing classified documents exposing U.S. war crimes. The U.S. government narrative about Julian is a complete fraud. It is a complete fraud from A to Z. Julian took on the most powerful countries in the world, basically all of them. We now have confirmed that there were plans to kidnap Julian here in the center of London or even assassinate him. No one who instigated that illegal and immoral war has been brought to justice. But the great truth teller sits behind bars. If wars can be started by lies, peace can be started by truth. Julian Assange is a hero. What if everything we thought we knew about somebody was a lie? Would we be willing to go on a new journey of understanding? This is a story of deception, lies, bravery, and a man who risked everything to bring the truth to light. Mr. Assange shows all the symptoms that are typical for a person that has been exposed to psychological torture over a prolonged period of time. He looked at me intensely and said, I hate to say this. He then hesitated, visibly troubled and searching for words. And then he finally said, please, save my life. May future generations have the ability to speak without restraint. May our children and their children know truth and have access to information that leads to justice. Wherever Julian goes, free speech goes with him. If there is a bird that is about to take flight, stretch her wings and rule the skies, may it be a pista and no longer a bald eagle. If you think Assange is a traitor, he's a rapist, he's a narcissist, he's a hacker. I don't blame you because you have been deceived. 
And if you think you've not been deceived, that's normal because otherwise it wouldn't be deception. We don't rock, rock. we talk. talk. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Well, the British media are doing their best to cause all kinds of problems here in Rochdale, but the problem for them is there are no problems in the campaign. George Galloway's rival campaign is whipping people into a frenzy after he received a death threat on social media. I'm talking, of course, about Simon Danchuk, a former Labour MP who is now standing for Reform UK. And he said he's received a string of direct messages and a video where an online troll appears to threaten to gun him down. It's just outrageous. And I do actually link it to the campaigning that Galloway's been doing in Rochdale. He's really whipping up division. And I think that's really unfortunate. Uh, in the footage, which has been posted on Reform's UK social media page, the online creator is heard uttering expletives before threatening to put one in his head. Uh, I think this grandstanding from Dan Chuk, I in no way condone uh, whatever it is this uh, chap has been saying, and but I don't think it's a serious death threat. And I don't think Galloway's campaign is divisive either. I think George is all about unity across races, religions, ages and classes, isn't he, Chris? Absolutely. I mean, it is a unifying campaign and, and George is clearly focusing on the uh, issue of Gaza. Uh, but not just that. He, he has raised a number of uh, clearly local concerns. I mean, for example, he's made the point that he can't even be born in Rochdale anymore because the uh, maternity uh, hospital has been closed down. You can't even die in uh, in uh, uh, Rochdale now because the uh, accident and emergency department has been closed and moved out. So he is campaigning on those issues, on those local issues, because the working class communities in, in Rochdale have been badly let down by all the major parties, predominantly Labour, because it's been a Labour fiefdom for, uh, well, forever, really. And they've not fought for the people there. And, and look, George is somebody who has clearly got a, a reputation uh, for not taking no for an answer, for speaking his mind. Uh, and he will certainly be a great champion uh, if he's elected uh, for the people of Rochdale on those local important issues, those issues, as I've said, in terms of the National Health Service, in terms of access to uh, decent housing and, and, and trying to you know, sort out the crumbling uh, infrastructure there. But also, of course, his, 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 his strong voice are in opposition to war uh, and certainly in opposition to the genocide, which many, many people in Rochdale, as across the whole country, feel very, very strongly about. And nobody else is is, is actually articulating those concerns other than George Galloway. And I, do, I know Simon Danchuk. In fact, I went to his wedding, actually, uh, <laughs> to... Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, <laughs> back in the day, um, he invited me. Uh, and, I, you know, I used to get on with him. But, look, I mean, I don't know what's happened to, to, to Simon. I, I think uh, he's clearly grandstanding here. You, nobody would uh, condone uh, death threats, of course not. But to you know, suggest that in some way George is responsible is truly absurd. I mean, it reminds me, frankly, of, of the uh, the despicable uh, accusations that were made against uh, Jeremy Corbyn, a more peace-loving individual you couldn't wish to meet, and yet he was being accused of a similar sort of things. These are just dirty tricks, dirty tactics, and they should have no place in politics, actually, uh, uh, Basil. But sadly, 
you know, the likes of, of Simon uh, Danchuk and, uh, and others, uh, it's their default position. Uh, and this is why a lot of people get turned off politics. I think politics should be an honourable thing about trying to, you know, create a better world to speak up for people and give people a voice, as it were. But maybe that's one of the reasons that I was attacked, uh, uh, like Jeremy Corbyn was, when I was a member of, of Parliament, because I, I very much believed in, you know, in democratising the Labour Party and giving people a voice and, and obviously speaking out in support of the Palestinian people. And, you know, I was accused of being uh, an anti-Semite, I was accused of being a Jew baiter or facilitating anti-Semitism. Ironically, you know, for speaking up for predominantly, um, it was the people that I was speaking up for were themselves Jewish. Thousands of Jewish people are opposed to what is happening in uh, Gaza right now. Uh, I mean, and these marches in London that we've seen, there is a huge contingent of anti-Zionist Jews uh, who uh, wear their heart on their sleeve. They're very clear that, you know, not in our name. And they make it very, very abundantly clear to anyone who will listen that, you know, this is not, you know, they, Netanyahu does not speak for them. And the Zionists in this country do not speak for them. But regrettably, you know, they don't get the uh, they don't get the oxygen and publicity on the corporate media outlets because uh, they tend to go to the the Zionist voices voices uh, regrettably, and you know the likes of the the board of deputies and and uh, the um, uh, various other uh, uh, groups community like community security, the CST, yeah, which which, yeah. which has been outed as being very close to uh, Mossad, the Israeli um, intelligence services. I mean, you know, these 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 characters are crooks, and uh, you know they are. Uh, they are um, peddling a, a false narrative, uh, and this is what, regrettably, Simon Danchuk has, has resulted to. Because I think you can see his uh, his campaign is tanking, and George's campaign is is going from strength to strength. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how the legacy media frame the campaign of Andrew Feinstein, who is standing <laughs> against Keir Starmer. Well, they probably uh, call him a self-hating Jew or something like that, but uh, you know. Well, you know that's what that that's what Jewish Zionists like to call Jewish anti-Zionists. Exactly. But it's harder for the corporate media to use that kind of term without right. themselves yeah. being accused of yeah. being anti-Semites. You know, so no, you're right. uh, I'm you're not right. quite yeah. sure how they're going to deal with Andrew Feinstein, and I, I hope he wins. But first of all, back to Rochdale. Uh, the disowning of the Labour candidate was the latest pantomime, frankly, uh, in the Labour Party's contortions not to do anything to upset the Israel lobby uh, when Mr Ali was disowned completely by the party for having said that he believed that uh, the Israeli government had prior knowledge of the events of October 7th. Now, that's uh, a theory with considerable evidence to back it up uh, that's been widely reported in the Israeli media uh, with lengthy investigations about the stand down orders. I remember also seeing some posts on social media in the immediate aftermath of October the 7th saying basically no way could the Israeli authorities have not known about what was going to happen and that uh, the follow on from that is obviously that they allowed it to happen uh, whether or not they directly participated in it as a 100% false flag, I don't know, but they certainly allowed it to happen in order to precipitate the complete destruction and ethnic cleansing of Gaza that we are now witnessing. Now, uh, whichever way you look at it, uh, speculating that Israel had prior knowledge of October the 7th is in no way anti-Semitic. It's got nothing to do with hating Jewish people. It's an observation about an 
extremely important event that's resulted in the deaths of tens of thousands of innocent people. But the Labour Party is so absolutely hysterical and also so completely supine when it comes to uh, the Israel lobby that they decided to disown this blow. Um, ironically, of course, at first, uh, this saw his, I, I follow it on the uh, betting exchanges, Chris, this saw yeah. uh, his support appear to tank. Uh, but then it became clear that, in fact, the fact that he'd been disowned by the Labour Party was, if anything, an advantage because uh, <laughs> you know, the, the Labour okay. Party was so, yeah. so unpopular yeah. that, uh, yeah. uh, that, you know, it was a boost to his campaign that he could say I had nothing to do with them. I mean... Really no, no it is. It's, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, what a topsy-turvy world in which we are living uh, right now. I mean, look, yeah, that, you're absolutely right. I mean, that 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 uh, that theory has been carried, as you mentioned, in the Israeli uh, press. It's been carried by the um, uh, the New I think it's the New York Times, actually, no less. Yeah. Uh, did a big uh, feature on it. Um, you know, so this is a th I mean, still a theory I happen to uh, agree with. I mean, I think that the uh, resistance fighters uh, did actually outwit the um, uh, Israeli uh, occupation forces. I think they became incredibly. Complacent. Um, but, you know, whether you take that view or whether you take the view that um, Azir Ali uh, articulated, it is in no way anti-Semitic. It's absurd to suggest it is. And you're absolutely right when you say that uh, the Labour Party is utterly supine. But, you know, the Zionist, uh, the Zionist uh, movement has this kind of maximalist sort of strategy where they won't take yes for an answer. And, you know, they keep pushing and pushing and pushing. This guy was their man. I mean, he was supportive of the, you know, the, the Zionists uh, supporting so-called Jewish labor uh, movement. Um, he was a big opponent of Jeremy Corbyn when Jeremy was elected back in 2015. You know, helped to kind of undermine Jeremy's uh, leadership of the uh, of the party. But, you know, as a result of, of him being uh, uh, dropped as the candidate, then the various groups like the Campaign Against Antisemitism, Jewish Labour Movement and all the other revolting Zionist organisations were demanding that the party go still further. And they, they, they highlighted a number of other uh, MPs and candidates who they felt had spoken out of turn, one of whom was a bloke called Graham Jones, who was the former MP in uh, Blackburn, lost his seat in 2019. He was very instrumental in the whole uh, sabotage of the uh, Corbyn uh, leadership. It was a... a, a a case of a bit of a schadenfreude on my part when I saw the likes of, of him losing his seat as a result of their uh, sabotaging activities. But he was at that same meeting where uh, Azhar Ali had, 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 uh, had postulated that theory and he made some expletive remark. He referred to Israel with an expletive. He has now been suspended. Now, this is a man, as I say, was at centre of the efforts to to uh, smash Jeremy Corbyn. And when I was um, targeted and, and suspended, and then I was momentarily reinstated following an inquiry for just 48 hours, but there was a huge furore about it. 150 MPs and Labour MPs and peers had signed a letter demanding that I be uh, suspended again. Uh, and, and they made the point that, look, if Labour is genuinely serious about tackling anti-Semitism, then Chris Williamson has to go. He was one of the key signatories to that letter. And yet here we are, a few years later, you know, he's being a hoist with his own petard. I mean, it's, it's an absolute nonsense, of course. And, you know, frankly, I think, the, you know, the, the, uh, the timidity of the so-called socialist campaign group of Labour MPs in actually failing to stand up to Keir, Sir Keir Starmer and failing to stand up for the Palestinian 
people. It's been lukewarm to say the least. The support that they've uh, that they've uh, given. I mean, it illustrates just how far the Labour Party in Parliament, and indeed in the country, really has fallen. Uh, you know, these people are fit, frankly, in my opinion, to call themselves socialists, and they're certainly not fit to be uh, public uh, representatives. Because as I've always said, uh, uh, Basil, look, if you have a political platform, you have an obligation, in my opinion, to fight for what you believe in, to fight for what's right, to stand up for the people that elected you. What on earth are the, the socialist campaign group uh, MPs doing? I mean, when they signed a, a very tame statement about NATO's proxy war in Ukraine, uh, it was a stop the war statement. It was a kind of, uh, it was, a, you know, there was, a, they, 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 they were kind of as, as critical of, of Russia, which I think was totally wrong. But anyway, but they was as critical of, of Russia as they were of, of NATO. And uh, they put their name to it, about half a dozen or a dozen of them. Uh, Sir Keir Starmer issued instructions that they must remove their name within 24 hours or the whip would withdraw. And every single one of them did so. I'll tell you what, Basil, if I'd still been there, there's no way I would have withdrawn my name, I can tell you. And I'd have been making a much stronger statement, frankly, than the Stop the War statement that they that they signed. But no, I mean, that you know, their, their response on the uh, on what's happening in, in Palestine, it, it's been abysmal. But they're running scared. They're careerists. That's the problem, Basil. They fear for their career. And uh, they fear that they will be targeted, that, 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 that they'll be accused of, of being an anti-Semite, you know, because anti-Semitism has been weaponized. And there's no, it's no coincidence that they initially, you know, went for high-profile people like Ken Livingston, former mayor of London, former leader of the Greater London Council, somebody who has actually done more in public office than anybody, in my opinion, to advance the cause of anti-racism in the early 1980s. He earned the soubriquet as a loony lefty, partly for his stance on on, on opposing racism, then in the, you know in the autumn of his life, he's being deemed as a sort of a pariah, a, a racist, bigoted press, absolutely disgraceful. So they went for him. They went for people like Jackie Walker, a prominent uh, Jewish uh, black Jewish woman whose parents actually fled the United States at the height of the McCarthy witch hunts in the 1950s. Then she found herself the victim of a McCarthy witch hunt at the hands of the Labour Party. She was the vice chair of the Momentum, the group that was established to support Jeremy Corbyn's leadership. She was targeted, she was uh, uh, suspended and then ultimately expelled. And so there were a number of people, you know, outside parliament, then they came for me. And uh, and again, you know, they didn't speak up for me. And, uh, you know, I was eventually suspended and, and, and I actually I resigned from the party before they could actually expel me, but I was dropped as the official party candidate. But all of that was done to send a message to anybody else who dare or is maybe thinking of daring to raise a head above the parapet, that if you do that, we, we, you know, your head will get shot off. And, you know, this notion, this, this maxim that the Labour movement, you know, trots out all the time about unity is strength. Well, there is no unity as far as the Socialist Campaign Group is concerned. You know, these, these Labour MPs who claim to be, you know, on the left and, and socialist, they are not prepared to stand in solidarity and, and speak up for, and, and, and potentially take some, some consequences. But, you know, look, if we'd have stood up, and indeed, if Jeremy, frankly, had, had been a, a bit stronger and had not sought to placate the unplacatable and had fought the Zionist lobby, might not have won, but I think he would have a chance of doing so. But he facilitated it. I said to him, for God's sake, Jeremy, stop saying sorry. You know, uh, he'd done nothing to apologize for. Uh, and every uh, apology just fed the beast. It just made them stronger. And they thought, you know, we're onto uh, a winner here. And they kept going I until, know. you know. Out and then they've taken Jeremy out now, haven't they? And there's a number of other socialist campaign group MPs who have suspended Diane Abbott, you know, uh, Andy McDonald, 
um, um, you know, um, various other uh, MPs have, have gone as, as well. Kate Osimo, another one, have been kicked out. Um, you know, I mean, and, and Jeremy, unfortunately, Jeremy, unfortunately, allowed himself to be painted into a corner. Uh, he should he really have gone on the counter-attack right from the very George, beginning. I mean, I remember... George, Galloway, George Galloway pleaded with him to do so on numerous occasions. Appeal over the heads, he said, of the National Executive Committee. Appeal over the heads of the Parliamentary Labour Party. This is what George was saying, using his you know, considerable platform on his moat show um, to, to do that. Uh, but, you know, unfortunately, the people around Jeremy, you know, persuaded him to... I, I, Make a policy of, of appeasement, which was disastrous. I know. I mean, I think Jeremy was basically too nice and a bit naive. I don't think he realised who he was dealing with with these Zionists. You know that they well, are you know, absolutely sure, fanatical. They will stop at nothing, and they the, can. He'd been active, on. Uh, though, Basil, in the in the uh, pro-Palestine campaign for many many years, so he should have known. And he got into trouble partly for when he said that you know the Zionists don't understand English uh, uh, irony. Uh, and that was then used against him when uh, I mean, this was this was when he was speaking on a platform with with a um, anti-Zionist Holocaust survivor, and then the, the, the uh, meeting was being disrupted by a bunch of Zionist extremists. <laughs> I know. I mean, it is absolutely absurd that you cannot even make a reference to not understanding irony without it being construed as. Uh, uh, some kind of hate speech or something absolutely yeah. bizarre uh, to go back to the uh, Mr. Ali case in Rochdale. Uh, they were even pushing for the Zionist groups were pushing for other councillors who attended the meeting and yes. sat in silence while Mr. Ali made his remarks to also be expelled from the party yes. because they didn't yes. speak up. So <laughs> yes. condemn him in the I moment. Know. I mean, it's absolutely yeah. it really yeah. is. Uh, but on, on a serious note, um, absolutely appalling uh, is this Archbishop of Canterbury who refused oh. to share a platform with oh, no. uh, Pastor Munter because Munter had shared a platform with Jeremy Corbyn. I mean, uh, the, you know, people are appalled. I'm very glad to see there's been some demonstrations. I can't get anybody from the Church of England to come and defend Welby's position. I've been trying to get a spokesman to come on this programme. You can't get hold of anybody. I mean, basically... Uh, it's you know Jeremy unfortunately has made himself fair game. He is routinely described as an anti-Semite and a Jew hater uh, in the Zionist press and by Zionists, and uh, and uh, it seems that Welby's completely taken in by it. It's really well, very well. Look, so, Welby Welby is, is is a Zionist enabler. Um, you know, he's involved in various organisations which are you know basically a front for uh, you know the promotion of of uh, Zionism. Um, and we, we, in fact, if I could just give a shout out for, for the program that I host called Palestine Declassified, we've just recorded an episode. I'm not sure when it's going to be going out because we, we will probably be covering the uh, Rochdale by-election uh, on our Saturday broadcast. It might be the, the, uh, the Wednesday after because we're going twice a week now. But we've actually done a program uh, where we've looked at uh, uh, Welby's uh, uh, outbursts um, and his, you know his links to uh, uh, Zionism and so on, and uh, we've had uh, the guest on the show was uh, the Reverend uh, Dr. Uh, Stephen Sizer, who was oh, uh, kicked out of the um, uh, the Church of England because of his support for the Palestinian people, and Welby made an absolutely gratuitous uh, statement attacking uh, Stephen Sizer. You know, a more lovely man you couldn't wish to meet, actually. 
and for him to be traduced like that by the Archbishop himself is, is, is utterly despicable. Um, it really is. And, uh, and he did nothing wrong. He did absolutely did nothing wrong. All he did was basically, um, you know, observe uh, Christian uh, values. That's what I he know. did. You know? I know. I, I mean, Welby has been silent about the genocide. Welby said yes. virtually nothing about the killing exactly. fields or people yes. being systematically starved to death. Yes. Chris, uh, yes. uh, first of all, uh, quickly, where can people find you? You mentioned Palestine Declassified. Yes, well, we, Palestine Declassified, we, it's, uh, it's a, a weekly broadcast, although we're going fortnightly. Uh, sorry, I beg your pardon. We're going twice weekly now, I beg your pardon. Um, I, I, I'm not quite sure what the, what, the, um, what the schedule is going to be, but we're on a Saturday at half past five live, and I think it's going to be on, on every Wednesday. But then we, um, we post it on Rumble. We post it on Twitter. We also post clips on Twitter. We also post clips on, on Telegram. So look out for Palestine Declassified. We're on Twitter. Palestine Declassified is on, on Twitter as at P Declassified. Um, and then you can follow me on, on Twitter as well. I'm at Chris, uh, sorry, I beg your pardon, at Darby Chris, that's D-E-R-B-Y, at Darby Chris W, Darby, at Darby Chris W on Twitter. And I'm also on uh, Facebook, just look uh, for uh, Chris Williamson. Not to be confused with the uh, reality um, uh, TV uh, star who was on Love Island. That's not me. He's a bit younger <laughs> than me. It's not the same name. <laughs> and finally, Chris, is George going to win tomorrow? Well, we're, you know, we're not counting any chickens. It's looking increasingly likely. Um, you know, the fact that the Labour Party's campaign has imploded. I think that was, a, in some ways, a deliberate attack. Yes, they responded to the, the you know, the Zionist uh, smears, but whether that was manufactured or not remains to be seen, or is always a moot uh, point, should I say, uh, because I think they thought they were on a hiding to nothing anyway. And this will give them a bit of a of an excuse to get out of jail card. Well, we, you know, we didn't actually field a proper candidate. We withdrew support mm. from him. So it's a pyrrhic victory for George Galloway. I suspect that was, you know, more than anything be was the behind the, uh, the yeah. decision to drop Azir uh, Ali. Um, but it's looking very, very positive. It really is. Although having said that, uh, you know, uh, what we're concerned about is that some people may feel that it's in the bag and don't bother therefore turning up. I've also, as I've been knocking on doors, because Azir Ali is still on the, paper as the Labour candidate because it was too late to to remove that. Uh, so a number of people have still said they, they voted Labour. Not a lot, but some people have uh, said, oh yeah, I voted Labour, you know. Some actually have regretted said oh, Labour, wish I hadn't. You know, this is by post. I'm talking about people that voted by post. Right, <coughs> right. But the vast majority has been um, look, you know, very, very supportive and it's been a great campaign. I mean, I've been up there a number of times. Uh, we've had loads of volunteers out uh, on the street Um as I've said, the reaction has been overwhelmingly popular, notwithstanding, you know, the few pockets of people saying they're still going to vote uh, for the uh, Labour Party. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're you know, we're um, waiting. With, with we, we, are, we are very, very hopeful and optimistic, but, uh, you know, it's right. not over till it's over. Right. And at 10 o'clock, the polls That's close right. tomorrow. So we're going to be fighting for everyone. They're knocking up. Uh, voters, <clears throat> excuse me, on the day just to remind them to go out and vote. And we'll have a massive team of people. We've uh, uh, got lots of promises. We know where people, you know, live that have said they're likely to vote for George and we'll be going to just reminding them to uh, to make sure they turn out. And, uh, let's hope we vote. Because it will be a huge boost, not just for Rochdale. This will send a message all over the country. Actually, probably all the way around the world because George is an international figure and it yes. will give people hope that an alternative you know, it's possible that you can break yes. the you know, political duopoly uh, in this kind yes. of, you know, ridiculous electoral. Yeah. Okay.
Thank you so much for joining us today, Chris Williamson. Absolutely no, great to morning. have you here on The Patrick Ellison Show and see you again very soon. Great stuff. All the best. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Chris. We're going to go to a break now. When we come back, Patrick Henningsen, live and direct from somewhere in Eurasia. We'll be right back. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Scientists are freaking out over how warm the ocean has gotten. They should freak out. You know why? Because it's proof that it cannot be man-made. CO2 back radiation only penetrates the top millimeter or two of the oceans. So what's warming the ocean? Well, if you've been listening and following some of my writings, it appears logical and appears obvious that this has to be natural, specifically geothermally driven. Now, there are some other arguments out there. The solar people say because of the reduction of incoming rays that could be affecting the cloud cover. However, as a meteorologist, I could tell you why there's less cloud cover over the tropics. If it warms, and it's going to be distorted warming because of what we call the thermal halion circulation, it warms more away from the equator than around the equator. It affects the vertical velocity patterns, which lessen the upward motion over the tropical oceans. And guess what happens? You have less clouds. Now, I'm not going to get into an argument with my solar friends. I will tell you this. Those scientists that are panicking over how warm the ocean is getting should be panicking because it means that they can't possibly be right as to the cause and their gravy train should come to an end. I'd be panicking too. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. With a compelling perspective on global politics, this is The Patrick Henningsen Show on TNT Radio. And I'm delighted to say we are now joined by Patrick Henningsen, live and direct from Moscow. Um, Patrick, uh, we hear a lot about Russia here in the West, but we don't necessarily know what's going on or what the mood is there. So please enlighten us. Are uh, the Russians the devils that uh, the deep state here in the UK would have us believe? Or is it all the land of milk and honey and roses? It's very cold. That's all you need to know. It's very, very cold. <laughs> the snow is very, very high, very thick. And if you're not wearing multiple layers, uh, you will definitely get frostbite if you're outdoors for too long. Otherwise, wow. uh, the country the country is very warm. The people are warm. The hospitality is uh, amazing. Um, and going through a very difficult time internationally, though. Uh, so everybody is uh, definitely under uh, some sort of understanding that uh, the world is uh, going through a very difficult transition at the moment. Uh, it's a two-year anniversary of the Ukraine conflict uh, this week, so a lot of time for reflection, uh, but also a lot of people wondering uh, what's the solution going forward. Uh, everyone's still uh, on the on the Ukraine-NATO side dragging their heels on any kind of peace negotiations, but that's also happening in Gaza, isn't it? So that seems to be a pattern uh, in the West. Uh, as far as we can see. Yes, uh, no sign that the sanctions are reducing the standard of living of the Russian people there in Moscow, I would imagine. Um, but uh, von der Leyen, I don't know if you know, came out this morning and said that uh, uh, while war isn't imminent, it's very much a possibility. My goodness. Um, and uh, Macron, of course, earlier in the week started talking about putting French troops on the ground. Is there fear there in Moscow that this 
whole thing is going to escalate into World War Three. Uh, this is always a risk uh, for everybody involved. I think there's probably a lot more fear in Eastern Europe because they're going to get caught in the middle uh, should that happen, and and Ukraine most of all. Uh, so everybody would like to see some kind of uh, de-escalation, some sort of uh, sustainable peace uh, going forward. But as it stands, uh, the West is digging its heels in. It seems to have Kiev uh, more or less under control, uh, doing what it's told to do. Uh, and as far as Russia goes, they've pretty much uh, laid their hand down a long time ago. And they've said uh, that there's certain red lines that they can't negotiate. One of them is their national security attacks within Russian territory. Those seem to be escalating periodically over the last 12 months. So this isn't a good sign. Uh, so it seems like there's a lot of people that want this war to continue. Uh, they want to see it escalate. Uh, who knows where that's going to lead? I don't think to anything positive uh, for Europe or anybody else for that matter. But uh, for the defense contractors, for the industry globally, the defense industry, it's been very good. Uh, business has never been better. Jen Stoltenberg has said that uh, F-16 fighter jets being sent to Ukraine can strike legitimate Russian military targets inside Russian territory itself. Uh, this represents a very dangerous escalation, doesn't it? And who's to say what is legitimate and what isn't legitimate as well? Yeah, I, I think a lot of people think Jan Stoltenberg has completely lost his mind uh, with comments like that. I mean, this is only going to go in a bad direction, I think, uh, for all sides. So this is going to be seen, obviously, as an escalation, if that's indeed the case, or is this just more rhetoric uh, to pump up the war talk when a time when this conflict is getting even more unpopular uh, in the West, but especially in Washington? And they're the underwriters of this uh, proxy war uh, in Ukraine. This is something that Washington has the power to end in 24 hours if they so choose, uh, but uh, that's not happening. Uh, so Stoltenberg, who knows uh, what his end game is for NATO, he's probably not going to even be in that position very long, probably be replaced. So maybe he wants to go out with the bang, no pun intended. Let's hope not. Macron earlier this week uh floated the possibility of French troops on the ground in Ukraine. Um, but some commentators have said that because this idea was so widely dismissed, uh, even at this stage, that what he was really trying to do was send a signal to the Ukrainians that they're not going to get much more help and that therefore they ought to sue for peace. A very roundabout way of doing so, obviously a sort of double bluff. Um, uh, in Russia there, I assume people would like the fighting to stop uh, as soon as possible and a return to the uh, status quo of sort of 15, 20 years ago, correct? Sure. It's arguable that France has had troops on the ground, as other NATO countries have for a while, Basil. So, yeah, people would like to see things wind down. That's not going to happen. More to come, though, on this uh, in the next couple of days. Uh, so thank you, Basil. Uh, great to see you. It's been great fun hosting the programme and we had a terrific show today with Tugrid Al-Marwed, Chris Williams and James Freeman from outside the Welsh Parliament on the protests there and of course Freddie Ponton. Patrick will be back in the hot seat tomorrow. I'm Basil Valentine. Much more to come here on today's news talk. Don't go away. Next show coming right up.